No matter what we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby. And we're back. Another episode of the Stereo Bros Podcast. It's your purveyor of all things pistachio and pumpkin spice. It's your boy PL. Who else we got in the building? Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's Hat Shepsu. What's up, guys? It's Jazzy. And we are freshly dried off of Irma, that bitch. Um <laughs> She was out in New York wilding, but we are we dried off and we back out here, as you can see for those that can see my co-host. I'm relaxing on a nice beach right now while I record, but so good. Mm-hmm. Um unfortunately we gotta start this one off with a very serious topic and I wanna say rest in peace to uh you know Michael K. Williams uh activist actor who was they're saying it was a drug overdose or it was a bad batch of cocaine that he succumbed to but right before that there was some also some people in in Hollywood some comedians that died but even before that you know people have been dying in the city from fentanyl laced drugs and I saw a lot of people saying you know, stop doing coke and, you know, you think that your guy is the plug and you got the purest of the pure. Stop doing, you know, stop using bad drugs. And I thought to myself, (laughs) a lot of motherfuckers be out here drunk every weekend, all weekend off of Mm -hmm. all types of cognacs. Say that. Popping. Popping perks or like, you know, smoking enormous amounts of marijuana and literally checking out of reality from Friday evening until Sunday evening. And that's the same thing, if not fucking worse, if you're you're using a drug to escape your reality. Regardless of the drug, it doesn't matter if it's fucking cough drops, uh, cognac, or excessive amounts of low-grade weed. So I think that, you know, seeing all of that made me post about it, but it also made me annoyed because I feel like as a people, we still have this stigma around certain drug usage, right? Like we still stigmatize certain things in the hood. Oh, that's that white boy shit. And it's annoying because this is like all of these hood constructs are stupid, right? Like people be mad hood, but can't swim which is the fucking life skill, right? <laughs> so I don't endorse the usage of opioids, um, you know, heroin, coke, that boy, that girl, meth, none of that. I'm not into it. What I am saying, though, is that before you, you know, judge anybody for using a drug that you deem to be too far along the way, 
don't forget that people die every year of liver failure from drinking too much, right? Uh, so that's my PSA slash rant. Now it was necessary. I think that um, uh, we we there needs to we really need to embrace the idea that you know addiction is a disease and not like not like some bad behavior. You know, like there are many things that can land somebody in addiction. And I think that like, you know, if we had to make it relatable to what we're experiencing now, a lot of people came out of the pandemic and it was like, we're outside. And then, you know, outside looks nuts because people are getting plastered everywhere they go every weekend, you know, like it's the amount of substance abuse has like, probably double tripled since the pandemic and a lot of that you know and if and if and I just named just the pandemic within that pandemic time is also George Floyd is also election is also vaccine is also economy is also all that stuff so it's kind of like um and that is outside of you that still doesn't have anything to do with your immediate family or your health or your goals or any of that stuff. So I think, you know, just, just um, shifting our view of what addiction actually is, you know, and, and considering it something that is an, an illness, you know, that has many roots and, you know, uses uh, that would, the people who are addicted would um, or experiencing addiction would benefit more from support than they would judgment. So um, Michael K. Williams, there was an article that my Neil sent me that he did after Lovecraft Country, where he talked about how that role in Lovecraft pushed him, opened up the wounds on a lot of generational trauma that he was unaware of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they covered Tulsa and all that stuff. And so he, he um, you know, just he, it, he relapsed as a result of it at the end of 2019, I believe. Oh, was it 2020? I'm not really sure, but um, he he relapsed as a result because it was just that much weight. And, you know, we heard of actors before, you know, Hugh Le- uh, Heath Ledger, is that it? Yeah, Heath Ledger. And Overdose. You know, a lot of these guys, especially if they're method actors, you know, it's hard to, to put the cork back on once they've gone somewhere for a role or, you know, or juggling other things. So I think one thing I'll clarify with Heath Ledger, was as I understand it, he passed away from an overdose of sleeping pills. Not, but it was accidental. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was trying to over medicate. It was more so after Joker, he had a hard time sleeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't recreational. It was more they were prescribed, and he accidentally took too many. Oh, that's, and that's what. Yeah. That's um, but no, it's it's true and. Having known people with addictions personally, specifically, you know, drug addictions, like, you realize that, yo, they're not doing this shit on purpose. Like, as much as you might think that, like, it's annoying or whatever else, the shit is not on purpose. Like, they're not doing this shit intentionally. And, you know, like you said, you know, there's a trauma component to it. There's a chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. Like, there's literally, you know generational trauma that can fuck your genes up and will predispose you to certain addictions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so 
I mean, I think it's, it's interesting to see how he navigated his addiction through the years and being this like big star that also is accessible to everyone. Like everybody has a picture with him. Everybody has seen him or had interactions that are good with him. And just seeing how someone like that can then still be masking this like other lifestyle, which was not necessarily other, because it seems as though he was open about it. Um, I, I read an article that was from like 2012, which was like after The Wire. And I, I don't remember what he was filming. It was after Boardwalk Empire, but like, so he still has fame. And he was like really open with the reporter about his his drug addiction. Like he had just copped the last night and like had given his cell phone to the drug dealer as collateral. And the reporter is like verifying this, calling the phone, and they're like, "Yeah, this is not his phone anymore." So it's like a real, 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 real thing happening to him in the midst of success, like which some on the outside might be like, "You have it all. You you're doing this. You made it. You left Vandeveer. You left, you know, Flatbush. Like, how are you back in this position?" But it really just goes to show you, like the kind of monster and demons people are really fighting. Word. Check on your people, man, especially this, the, you know, I think, I think it's, it's just not uncommon for, you know, millionated folk, the, our experience alone. Like I remember um, uh, going to a few talk sessions in the Caribbean community and just talking about alcoholism in the Caribbean community and how culturally we mask it because, you know, a drink is a drink, right? We drink, people are drinking all day. But, you know, the migration story, we don't realize how traumatic that can be for some of the migrants that come here. And they're still, t- they're still tacking on the drinking, but there's nothing that. And they're taking all the jobs from. African Americans. They come here taking all the job, think they're the best dancers. What? Say save all that hate for later. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'll save that for the other portion of the <laughs> other pot. <laughs> it literally stopped me dead in my tracks, like wait. <laughs> so um but yeah, like you know, like the you know, uh it was uncovered in those talk sessions that that um you know, the amount of like trauma that some immigrants have faced or even trauma they faced in their assimilation into culture here mm-hmm. has like escalated their substance use. And it take it took it from drinking on all day on Sunday in in Trinidad to, you know, drinking excessively every day here, you mm-hmm. know. And, I, and, you know, in that same vein, I think. I'm a big believer in movies really. If you watch movies, they're telling you like shit that you can take away from it, right? Like it doesn't matter if it's like Batman, Dark Knight, which is a classic, or Fences, right? Which is based off of the play by August Wilson, great playwright. Um, in Fences, I don't know if y'all saw Fences, yeah. But I left that movie and I was I was mad at Denzel character because I could relate to the son. Right. And Denzel character Monday through like Thursday was like solid. But Friday he come off of work. He got that bottle ready. And I'm like, yo, that's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. You know, and I think back to my early years in corporate America and I would be like excited as hell to link with 
mostly y'all, right? Like back when we was outside, <laughs> we would be at like whatever bar from like 536 until midnight, go get bag hobs, sleep, and then probably go to brunch or some shit. Or or we would have something at the house and people would be there from like two in the afternoon until like midnight. Just, you know, nonstop going through. Mm-hmm. And there was always somebody that would come through, have like a couple of drinks and bounce. And I'd be like, what's wrong with you? You a virgin or something? But I realized <laughs> it's that they weren't like, granted, those were good times, but I guess it's more so like, damn, I used to really feel like I was living for my weekends, right? Like I had to make it to Friday. And that's not necessarily reflective of an addiction, but it's more so when I think to Denzel's character in Fences, that was his crutch. The Friday bottle, getting inebriated on Friday to get through was his way of kind of like coping with the fact that he wanted to be a pro baseball player and then inadvertently he was fucking his son's life up Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. stunting his kids opportunities but yeah man um i think michael k williams was a great actor you know everyone knows him from his role in the wire is omar Mm -hmm. um and he actually (laughs) a lot of people if you ask people who is their favorite character in the wire the toughest of the tough dudes is going to say omar Right. Personally, he wasn't my favorite character, but he was in my top three. I think my overall favorite, of course, is Avon Barksdale. You know what I mean? Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, like you said, check on your strong friend. And, you know, I just got a new therapist. You know, she's incredible. But it's just one of those things where I feel like as I get older, I get more reflective more self-aware of mental health and the things that you can do to improve your overall quality of life like exercise eat right um speaking positively into your life Mm -hmm. and treating your body well which you know amounts to not binge drinking and not like you can have like a couple of drinks and binge drinking in itself is not bad but it's the reliance on it to cope with the fact that you're not happy with life that can be a problem so binge drinking is bad for your yeah binge drinking is there's the person that every time she has more than three people in her house there's a lot of bottles a lot of bad carbs (laughs) i'm actually not a big drinker like anymore i like it doesn't even i don't even really get drunk like that but you facilitate the vibe with which i know i know if i go over there I, I got to run out of there early because I'm like, not. But that's how, you know, I, I like a long time ago, I was like, I think it's okay for me to keep because I like have a fully stocked bar. I grew up with my dad having a fully stocked bar. Anything you want is there. But like, I don't use my bar if I'm there. The most I might have is like some wine. If we're doing the podcast, okay, I might, I might have had some seltzer and some coconut Ciroc, you know, uh, but generally I don't drink at home and I feel like you know, you have to know what your limits are and, and monitor when things are getting obsessive. Like anything can be addicting, um, you know, food. Um, this podcast. This podcast. Like, subscribe, um, comment. Um, 
into our contents. Yeah. Um, one thing, one aspect I did want to bring up was like now people are encouraging testing. And I think we had talked about this guy before, but uh, Dr. Carl, I don't, Carl Hart, I think is his name. He has a book called um, uh, How to Do Drugs for Dummies or something like that. But he's a professor. He was in the news before because it was an article about how he said um, that he does heroin. Um, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. You and that boy. Right, right. But he basically is an advocate for, you know, like countries like, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Afghanistan. Uh, No, um, the Finnish and the, like, there's a lot of countries that practice, um, testing like open drug use and Afghanistan has phenomenal heroin. So I hear. Right. Well, decriminalization of drugs, of all drugs, not necessarily just marijuana, you know, just decriminalization of drugs for the purposes of making them safer. So like you can go to a facility and test your drugs easily. Um, and you know, there's less likely or even sharing need, like, like giving out free needles or things like that to lower, um, you know, ills against society when they participate in this lifestyle and I East Harlem is big on that because East Harlem is like the uh dope man epicenter shout out to East Harlem and Jimbo's I mean it's um, they used to work right there on 123rd and Lex listen 25th and Lex is the epicenter for yes. it's like Hampstead it's like Hampstead Dam part two listen you have that, to train that. and niggas is leaning with it rocking with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's where yeah. I learned I mean I've a lot of my experience uh, um with with addiction is because i was working on act teams in the boroughs so like i've been to apartments what's an act team and i don't know act stands for assertive community treatment and essentially is a team you attach to people who have had multiple hospitalizations psychiatric hospitalizations Uh and or they're chronically homeless and or they've been incarcerated and they have multiple um mental health uh crisis, crisis sounds great for people from harlem I mean, my office, one of the, one of the offices that I worked for was based on 123rd in Lexington. And it Harlem, was, yeah. yeah. These are, these are Harlem, Harlem problems. I burned, Harlem problems. <laughs> I burned right off the job. Like I burned right out. We had nurses that wouldn't last three days. Like it was, it was. Harlem problems. Crazy. Yeah. Share volume or what? It mean? was, it was, you'll find that when it comes. Great to question, Jazzy. <laughs> Well, well, just a rule of thumb, I don't know if things have changed, but ACT teams typically have a cap of about 68 people, and it's a multidisciplinary team, ideally comprised of up to like 10 people, right? And so the idea is you make contact with these 68 people every week. This is because you're supposed to be assertive. Like, you know, these are the people who have the potential to harm someone in the street if they come off their drugs or whatever. Um, And so... um. You'll find what I have found in the years that I have done it is that you're fighting a system that does not actually work to help resolve addiction at all. Like it, like the system kind of perpetuates people staying in it, you know? So as a nurse, you know, and I've played different positions where I've had to monitor people's um, whole drug schedules for a whole residence. And I'm talking to their addiction counselors. They keep testing positive for dope, but they also have six prescription pills that I'm um, six prescri- prescriptions from different pain management doctors that everyone has filled. And it's like, well, why did this not ring at this pharmacy that you rang it? Why did this doctor not ask why the hell you walking in here for pill? You get what I'm saying? There's mad different areas. And then sometimes when the people get um, 
you know, like, they, let's say they, they're motivated to change or do something about their addiction, you know, the, the sucky part on this part of the system is that often their employees will burn off, burn out in the job. And now this person who was probably building a rapport with a counselor who was actually helping them has to start over with a brand new counselor. You know, and so trust in the system is not there. You know, they fall out of their treatment. It's just a never ending cycle. And I've had patients tell me straight up, I drink because the street is my bedroom. You gonna tell me not to drink when I gotta sleep in a train station? I don't know what to say to these people. Like what do you say? You know And even no low man is not my child, I made him mine. I mean, you know, like <laughs> and the traumas be deep. Like, and the, what we don't often realize with, with, uh, alcoholism, alcoholism, I will, I will also say alcohol is the only drug you cannot detox from alone. You will die. Mm. Alcohol. You know what I mean? So like, keep that in mind. But like the biggest issue I find with drug addiction is the risky behavior that's associated with it. You know, um, women get plastered at, at uh, uh, an event or something of that nature. It's not uncommon for women who are addicts to have been sexually assaulted multiple times. Now you have women who are out here with complex PTSD and addiction and are not, have no insight into either one of them. Do you get what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of people who addiction keeps them in this cycle of trauma and they can't see their way out. The families are quitting on them. Like it doesn't mean anyone should be opening themselves up to abuse or manipulation because that exists in an addict. And we should be very upfront about that. But um, I like to say that that's a disease kind of using the person as a host, as opposed to like this person really wanting to like, you know manipulate their loved ones and such the point of it all is like the shit is a disease guys and you know it's beyond a do better drugs or get a better dealer like (laughs) please do not insult the situation with with that um because you look at the talent that michael k williams was and we lost him to this thing so yeah man it it doesn't matter if james st patrick himself is flying it in or a young Canaan Stark. <laughs> well, it's funny because on Power, spoiler alert, um, Canaan's character, or you know, Canaan tried to cook some some uh, crack up. Yeah. I think he might have cut it with fentanyl or something, but he killed a lot of people, including Jukebox's John inadvertently and um i just i was supposed to watch this episode oh sorry (laughs) it's a it's a doozy (laughs) it's a doozy um sorry spoiler um i did say spoiler over my ears you could have stopped me um but on a more lighthearted note um we're gonna skip ask jazzy this week and instead we're gonna go to ask the bros um this topic came up in the context of a few different conversations we had individually with friends and even with each other too about you know sex and you know the the prompt here is at what point do you have to or are you obligated to indulge in your him or hers sexual fantasies, fetishes, requests when you're in a long-term relationship 
or a marriage. So I don't know who wants to jump in first. Well, I'm not in a serious relationship now, but. All right. So hypothetically, if you were in one and Josue was like, hey, Jazzy, I want to try X. It it depends because I feel like, you know, in partnership, you want to make your partner happy. Right. And sex brings intimacy between partners it is necessary between partners to maintain a successful relationship so you want to make sure your partner is like fulfilled in that area right but I do think there can be a imaginary line that moves depending on what it is with people's level of comfort with things so like in a serious relationship I would want to feel comfortable enough to express the want to do something without judgment, but I would not necessarily hold an expectation for my partner to want to do those things. But I would hope that there would be space at, at least for a discussion or to communicate what my thoughts or desires were. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, like, they, like I, I don't think, I think uh, being able to discuss something that sensitive is a sign of a healthy relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a green light if your relationship is healthy enough to discuss it. Um, but yeah, I think the safeguard is not expecting someone to just be like, yeah, okay, because that's what you want. You know, like, because we also see, you know, there's something to be said about all these relationships where niggas are trying, niggas are trying to keep it spicy at three months in. And I'm like, if you need it spicy at three months, like, you probably with the wrong person. You don't need, in three months, you need spice. Like, y'all niggas, I don't get it, you know, so keeping all things considered you know if this is a relationship with someone you are actually building and i mean actually building <laughs> no sorry sorry i was just laughing because you said three months and i thought to myself how little time that is like in college that's like a semester <laughs> i'm telling you there are people I've, I've just seen the 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 fallouts from these things and they're never they're never great you know someone always feels like dang you know i took this maybe a perceived L in retrospect, you know what I'm saying? Because I was trying to keep things spicy, but the relationship less than six months old. And it's like, that's kind of crazy. You know, did this person really want this experience for y'all or did they want it for them? You know what I'm saying? And I think that becomes the question. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree, Jazzy, that like, if, if you want to, I guess, liven up, if you want to try something, you should always feel uh, safe enough with the right partner to discuss it but holding the expectation and certainly not compelling someone with like you know guilt <laughs> you know leveraging the relationship and shit and questioning their security in themselves because you know like with permitted all those things are not also present and I think that like not having the expectation would be good no I think and you know Jazzy and I was talking this off mic but I think it's so layered because I think sometimes guys go for the low mileage woman for the long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that low mileage woman is very averse to 
sexual exploration. So she may be just only into like, you know, the <laughs> the basics and the basics may be enough for her, but it might not be enough for you because, you know, sex is one of those things where I feel like you do it a lot. You get desensitized to certain things and then you want to up the ante. So if she doesn't have as much experience, she might, she might be good with like, you know, five good minutes and, mm. and that's it. You might at that point be saying, you know, I want to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And she's, and you might just get a, a straight no without any kind of anything. And on the other hand, if you got a woman that's a little insecure, she might view any opportunity to veer off as she's doing something wrong, right? And I think the most common scenario that comes up is threesomes. Often than not, a dude might say, yo, I want to bring in a chick. And, you know, in my research I did for this episode, (laughs) (laughs) the responses ranged from, some women saying once they're married, it's whatever with their husband. They taking down joints together, but it's not going to be an everyday thing. And they're going to, you know, empower their husband to say, yo, we can, like, you can request this, but you can't double back. Right. And then on the other hand, there's some women that were just like in a relationship, you know, they get female tributes, you know, with good knees for their pleasure. Um, and then there's some people that just said, yo, they with the shits now and in marriage, it'll be the same. And then on the other end of the scale was just like, well, nah, if I'm not good enough, then it's a problem. And if he's asking for these things, it's because I'm not enough. And if, and even if I do give it to him, he might double back. So, you know, that latter one was more of the insecurity with themselves feeling like, they didn't trust that it would go somewhere and stay there. They were concerned that it would go somewhere, like it would open up Pandora's box. And I think that you kind of got to flesh all that out before you get too serious. Cause you like people evolve, but what you don't want to do is coerce or make somebody feel uncomfortable. But I think it's a fine line because if you got like a burning passion in your yeah, aorta. <laughs> Burning is right. Mm. Right. Ah, come on. Come on. If your thymus is saying, you know, get two fluffies and it's like a burning, repetitive desire, your soul, your ego is saying, shout out to Freud, your ego is saying, um, yeah, I, I think psychology 101 in, in college. Yes, it was an A. Um, <laughs> but your ego is saying, yo, bro, go give out multiple dick dogs. Like, go have your own Nathan's hot dog contest with multiple joints at the same time. And she's saying, no, I'm the only one that can get a dick dog ever. It's kind of like, well, shit, like, the ego is saying this and you saying that. And if you can't have the conversation. Well, all right. So my thing is, like, there's always, like, a reason for, right? So, like, is it that? like you're not being satisfied at home no no you're you're satisfied it's more so you're desensitized and again if we're talking long-term relationships you know i feel like you get to a point where you have to do things different because 
you're desensitized to the same thing, right? And spice, like you said, you gotta spice it up. Mm-hmm. Right. Like me in my former life, damn, I'm trying to think how many actual relationships I had. I probably had two or three actual relationships. And I feel like after, like when you're young, you know, you float questions out there and you either get a yes or a no, but I feel like you get desensitized not as quickly, but it's more so like um, when you're young, I think you have more access to each other. So you're fucking a lot more. So I feel like at like at nineteen twenty or like on a college campus, I don't think I ever really had a girl on campus that was like my girlfriend. Well, no, I did. And I don't count. But all right. So long story short, when you're young, I feel like you get used to your lady mad quick and it's just like, I right. huh. there's so much more like you have so much more time on your hands that your mind goes to what's next a lot quicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're in a long-term relationship, that happens slower. But I think if you have an active sex life in a in a healthy relationship, there should be the space for you to raise questions and raise things. But then the next question is, well, what are the levels? Can can a person still have boundaries to say, you know, they're not with certain shit, right? Because I know personally, you know, I got boundaries. But I feel like a lot of women, if it comes up, you know, and again, the the easiest example is like the threesome example. Most women's reply to that is like, well, you can bring in a woman or a woman if I can bring in another dick dog. That's usually like the the immediate reply, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the second question we have to ask ourselves is in the framework of, you know, open conversations and entertaining your him or hers desires, can you still have a limitation, right? If she comes home one day and says that she want to, you know, open a Frank stand and, and ingest multiple dig those at the same time, as a man, I think you should have a right to say no, right? If she talks about she wants whips and chains and shit like that, you have a right to say no. At the same time, I think you have to have an open space where you guys can kind of have like a spectrum of things that are okay and a spectrum of things that are not. But where is that? But where is that line is the tougher question because, you know. It can change. Like that line when you meet young in college could change at through the years when you're together 10 years like everybody's boundaries and things you know you might have you might have read a book an article seen a move on a porno or like it is so many reasons why that like goalposts can be moved but I just think communication is like the the most important thing because like you don't you wouldn't want your partner to do something that they regret and I've heard women um give interviews and say how they regret having threesomes they feel like they've done 
homosexual, homoerotic um, things that they regret. And it wasn't because they wanted to, it was because they wanted to please their partner. And so like, once you cross that line and you do that, there's no coming back from that. You know what I mean? And not to say like husband or fiance or, you know, lifetime soulmate partner, like, doesn't matter when you do something that you are, you know, not into for the sake of someone else. You just have to really weigh what the potential outcomes could be. Mm. Right. That's a word right there. And like the the how do you end up with someone who's so out of nowhere wants BDSM? Like with <laughs> how does that happen? How do you end up and one day someone wants BDSM? Like there's no hints before that. Like, but I don't <laughs> That like, it's, there was no, there was never watched Fifty Shades of Grey. Yo, like in their closet, it got bull gags and man latex. Yeah, I mean that's what, but no, but that's facts though. You know, but it's I in the back of the closet. It's in the back. There, there are people who tell you right up front, and I think that's very responsible. Like, yo, you know, this is what I'm into. So I'm, I'm surprised that somebody would like back out with like, you know, a paddle, and they ain't never say anything before. You know, so. uh, you know, it's funny in high school. A young lady backed out candles and was like burning candles on me. I'm like, what the, what the fuck you doing? Not in high school. <laughs> At high school. She was older than me though. She was older. So she backed out the candle and just about these older women, like at first it was Miss Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's whoever this young lady is. I'm concerned. Now that was John Wick. That was John Wick cousin. Her name was Joanne Wick. Like mm-hmm. Get it, Wick Candle. Ah, ah, oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. But uh, nah, like that was her her shit. Like she liked to burn candles, and she wanted to burn on her, and she turned into a whole nother person. I'm like, oh shit, like <laughs> so. Um, yeah. but she was very forthright with that, and then I think that that's one of the few people in life. I met a, maybe a handful of women in my life that I felt were like were very sexually confident with themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of refreshing when, when when a person can tell you what they want and and just be like in charge of what they want to get to where they want to get to. You know what I'm saying? I think too often, unfortunately, women kind of um defer to what a man wants instead of kind of taking charge of their own, you know, sexual right. life and, and sexual being and that kind of stuff. So um I think that the takeaway here is that, you know, the key is communication and, you know, things can change, but you got to also, you know, know your, your him or her and just keep the open line of communication. And, you know, if you have a boundary, then you got to stick to it. You know, I think, um, I think it's also different and I don't like doing double standards, but I think it's different for men versus women. Cause I feel like, um, women entertaining different things. Like, I haven't ever heard anything crazy from a woman in terms of her asking me something, mm-hmm. but I've heard stories of dudes being asked to, like, let their ladies step out and go get another, you know, Frank or, <laughs> um, like, her being able to bring in another man and I had to ask one of my men I'm like wait 
did you agree to that shit? He was like, <laughs> he looked almost like, oh shit, wait, like, and let me restate that it wasn't my man's, it was an associate, because none of my man's went no shit like that. But I'm like, I don't know, man. I feel like as a man. Did he gave her the pass? They did that? I don't know. Tune in next time. <laughs> I got to. I got to get the, you know, the full story. But I feel like as a man, if you allow another man to, like, bore a hole in your lady, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I think don't know. The, I think I think it's the same for women. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Cause... Well, you're not a woman, so you can't you can't say you don't know. I'm telling you, no <laughs> chick, even in a club, you know how women act if you're looking at their man? Let alone now you in. I've been there. I've been there. Right. So, so all I'm saying is that's not even sexual. You just at a restaurant and somebody is looking at you. (laughs) Now imagine that you are in a sexual, a a highly sexual situation. And there is another woman having sex with your man in front of you. And you're supposed to go along with it because this nigga requested it to make it spicy. You get what I'm saying? There's a lot of like. No, but if, if, if she's doing stuff to you, if she's your tribute. No, listen, no. She's your tribute. No, 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 no. So no, no. If she's your tribute, no. But she's all District Twelve. She's District Twelve. You see, didn't you hear what Jazzy just said <laughs> that there were a number of women who have given interviews that talked about how they were not, how they regretted all of the homoerotic activity. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is how that another term you use, Jazzy? Homoerotic. I don't know if it was correct, but that's what it's just fun. It's just it's just it's just good wholesome fun. It's like Raymond and Flanagan. You're just playing with some carpet. That's all. Playing with some carpet. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think it's that bad for women. Um, I think as a man, though, and I'm not trying to be sexist enough and else like that. I think... Too late. <laughs> here we go. You, what you're not going to do is get me canceled. No, what you're 66. not going to do is pretend that you're not being sexist. That's what you're no longer No, doing. no, listen. That's what I'm, you're doing. <laughs> Which what we're not going to do is is try to get me canceled episode sixty six. Right, it was the right term. It was the right. I, I felt like it was the right term. I mean, listen, a hypothetical me in a long term relationship. If my lady came home and said that she wanted me to like, you know, put a ball gag on or something like that, I'm like, yeah, sure, <laughs> not a problem. But once you start to talk about like anything <laughs> extra, you know. On the caliente scale, you talking about like a habanero pepper spicy? <laughs> we not doing all that. We not doing all that. You know, that's that's and that's fine for you. Hypothetical, you real you. That's no, but most men is listen, ladies. PSA: Do not ask your man to entertain another meat stick. So then, stop asking these women. Then I'm my, that's why I'm a fan of asking these niggas if they would invite another man because if you are not interested in that situation being being what i want it to look like at any point then this sexual narrative is being written by you i'm just a cast member in your porno <laughs> like really and truly that's what it is and it is unfair to then base a woman's sense of self-esteem on whether or not she wants to perform as the as not even the lead in your porno not nah, she the lead. It's Asaconda twelve, a supporting actress to some regular bitch you found somewhere else. Whether or not she no, listen, she could find the co-star for Asaconda twelve. She could find the, she could find the co-star. All I'm saying is, I think it is gross 
if you cannot, will not allow that conversation to come your way, but you find a way to make it okay for, for, you know, men to initiate that conversation. I feel like it should, it, it should be free game. It can't be just, you know, it, it's okay to entertain extra sexual conversation from the woman if it's ball and gag. Mm-hmm. If it's literally <laughs> another set of balls <laughs> and another dick, that should be allowed too if you're going to, if we're going to raise bringing another woman in. I just think it's fair. I don't know. I, I think I think we can agree to disagree, but this is the part where we can do say word and you can tell us about like a, a word we should. Uh... No, first I'm going to say <laughs> that um, this is the part I do say word. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but a bum, 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 bum. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, today's say word is none other than drumroll, please. <laughs> grill. Grill. Mm. Oh, this yeah. word is grill. Mm-hmm. Um, grill is a verb. It is to stare at someone for a long time, usually in a hostile way. Um, would anybody like to use it in a sentence? There's actually an example I have in front of me. Go for it. Go for it. I'm going to punch that guy if he doesn't stop grilling me. Sounds like something I heard last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sounds about right. And that's Flatbush lingo. Unfortunately, I'm a future East Flatbushian. I'll be moving soon. So I can't slander the Flatbushes anymore because I'll be. <sighs> or Caribbeans. Cause that, yes, you know, double whammy because I'm going to be yeah. living in a, in a Caribbean neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's gonna be exciting i've been sneaky eating in this neighborhood for like the last <laughs> year i've been sneaky going to like mad places and getting my patties and mm-hmm. my jonjon um my doubles for breakfast pure like gluttony eating two doubles and then a veggie roti for uh for lunch i feel like that's fine is that me? Like, I feel like that's fine. Two rotis. Sounds amazing. Yeah. No, no, like two no, doubles two for doubles. breakfast? Yeah, two doubles for breakfast with some tea sounds okay to me. Like, does that, that sounds wild. Breakfast for me is usually <laughs> a kale smoothie, which is kale, sea moss, grapefruit, mango, honey, and then a whole cocktail of vitamins from apple cider vinegar, elderberry, Iron, um, and a multivitamin, and mm-hmm. then like a whole essential 24 ounces. So you don't eat food, got it? But <laughs> like it's very customary in Caribbean cultures to like I'm plant based, mostly plant based now. So like I, I've cut a lot of that stuff out. And but isn't doubles just chickpeas, like chickpea stew and like hot sauce? Yep. I'll be putting shrimp on. <laughs> oh, you see, you be wilding. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, a vegetarian double ain't doing nothing to nobody. Like, Nah, but the... Nah, and they're amazing, but the veggie rotis I get is pumpkin, spinach, chickpeas. That's an A1 roti. That's oh, A1 man. Roti. I oh, can't tell you my spot. Right now? Huh? Buy your new hood. Best Bites. On Church Ave. Whoa, whoa. Don't be giving them too much because... <laughs> If anybody try to try to see me in the new hood and say hi, 
don't know how far it is. I'm just saying. But I'm not like I'm I'm a paranoid kind of person, so I don't like people like we don't got Listen, like a, a mutual friend. If anyone friend. is grilling you, just punch him. <sighs> no, my therapist said I can't do that. That's hyper that's hyper vigilance. So I, okay, I cannot yeah, do that. I was I was just trying to incorporate it. <laughs> so good. So good. But speaking of the Caribbean, you know, we just came off of the best Labor Day ever. Watch your mouth, PNL. Watch your mouth. <laughs> this was the best. So I'll tell you how I spent my Labor Day. So what would have been Juve, I was asleep. It was quiet. That was great. Um, and then Labor Day morning, myself and shout out to the good bro, um, Mike Matt, we went on a bike ride. We rode 35 miles from Granomy Plaza. Wow. to two fifth and back and on the way back i got to grand army the street was blocked off so i'm like what the fuck and i saw a float and i got nervous i'm like oh shit they're coming <laughs> and i spoke to a cop and i'm like hey officer how's it going question for you i, th- I thought everything was canceled but i see like it's blocked off he's like, oh no it's like the kitty parade and i said oh great when's it starting he's like oh now I was like, oh shit, like I I live on the other side of the parade. And he was like, oh man. Best thing I can tell you is to like go around, like go up and around and down. But at that point, my legs were so shot that I was just trying to like make it home. And it worked out fine. I, I got home, no issues. But what I liked about this year's Labor Day was that because the parade itself was canceled. And Juve was canceled. I saw a lot of like smaller events where people had like their random barbecues, um, random bashments. And I feel like people still got to enjoy the weekend in their own space without the, it didn't feel as, um, what do you call it? How do I say this? It didn't feel as grandiose, but it still felt like people could have their own individual pockets, right? Like I passed through like a couple of Grenadian parties and they was, you know, getting a jab jab on and drinking their rivers and ginger ale. I drove past the Haitian event. They was chilling, doing what they do. So I felt like people made their own version of Labor Day instead of like relying on the overall event. Eastern Parkway wasn't shut down. So there wasn't people trooper parked on my block. Um, and it wasn't a bunch of shootings. And in talking to Larib, you know, she was like annoyed at me for saying that I was happy that it was like a, a low key Labor Day. But I told her, I said, you know, honestly, I think that we have to get to a place where we acknowledge that a large scale Labor Day event in a place like Brooklyn is not sustainable. I think you can have a large scale parade, but you can't mimic what Juve is in the Caribbean in Brooklyn. That's not that's not what it is. Because we all grew up in Brooklyn. That's just the purge. Like, mm-hmm. the Juve we saw growing up in Brooklyn was the purge. As someone who has participated in Juve as a teenager, I literally remember seeing people shot, girls getting their ass grabbed. People stabbed. Snatched all that. Like, it was not for the faints of heart. I survived. I can understand that perspective. But as a life 
well, not completely lifelong, but a, a majority of my life spent in Crown Heights. I was sick this weekend at the lack of activity outside. Say it again. It, it was a representation to me that my culture is being taken away from me by gentrifiers. Okay, again. Capitalism by um you know that it was it was not it was not something that was comforting to me um you know a lot of times people don't recognize and and I see your point um PNL but you have to recognize a lot of times there's people that are immigrants that immigrated here that have never been back to their country yep. for whatever reason whether they're here illegally well give us back our nursing jobs Give us back our plumbing and our trades Do not and go back. Do not even go there. <laughs> not funny. And sell your not homes. Funny. Sell your homes. And, you know, they that is their their symbolism. My father, Grenadian. He Shout died. out to, to the OG. Best yes. crab backs. Best, best crab, crab backs. And, and <laughs> <laughs> he don't miss a juve. Really? No. Never. Is he outside with it like that? Like walking outside, around? Outside, outside. My father will be posted on Empire by McDonald's, there to look at Jab Jab. And, you know, yes, he does go back to it. He don't really go back for like carnival, but like that's going back to get that money because he get paid. Culture that he likes to participate in. You know, like, yeah, he could go find, I mean, he's social. He could go and be with his people, but like just seeing the people, the energy, the the symbolism behind it is something that was missed this weekend. And I, you know, I went to FETS. It was good. That's like how I like to participate in carnival. I saw you on the gram, unmasked, fitting. I got. I just got my COVID test back Thursday, negative. Boo boo. Were they testing at the door? <laughs> huh? At the door, were they testing or were they screening? Oh, there was vaccine. You had to either show your vaccination card or a negative test um, within the past seventy-two hours. So they were okay. Good. 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 Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I did not get those anti-vaxxers. Out of the circumference. <laughs> yeah, no, really. Because people, when they posted some of these parties, people were like, this is ridiculous that you that you can't come in without that. This is forcing people to do all kinds of stuff. Like, if you don't like it, don't come. Like, um, have your own. Whoa, whoa. Has Chef's about to jump in because she is part of the free choice movement. Vax <laughs> <laughs> um, choice so, movement. So, like, I mean, I had a taste of carnival, but like, you know, I like to do, because I don't even really be behind the trucks like that in my older age. I probably haven't enjoyed the parkway like that in a good, probably like, I would say at least six to seven years. Um, but I, I'll go up at the end and go get some food from some vendors or something, even though I'm not jumping in the parade. But I just like seeing my people having a good time. Uh, carnival, the, the representation of Carnival in all these countries is a release. It is a celebration of the harvest or like crop over, or it is just a culmination of energy and expressing heritage and things like that. And the when it's not used, it is lost. There's a generation of, of people right now this year that did not experience that. And what it worries me is that they're going to use this as an excuse to water down 
um, um, the parade. Absolutely. And no, no, that's absolutely going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was hurt. I sent y'all the thing when I saw that they were having the Macy's parade. I was sick because I, What's the I justified it in my mind is like, okay, they canceled it because COVID, they know it's going to be a lot of people, millions of people, blah, blah, blah. But like to then just grant the Macy's parade and just saying in the winter, like it was, I was hurt. I was. I think I we also got to, we got to unpack that though, because the city didn't cancel it. The West Indian Day Parade Council canceled it okay all right yeah it wasn't like they the city didn't cancel it the city was open to working with the west indian day parade council the council said nah they said well maybe they save lives maybe they wanted to not not have to work snoopy ain't got covid respectfully snoopy ain't got covid snoopy does not have covid (laughs) i don't know but it was it was sad this weekend i was just like i said i made sure nobody got shot at at juve well, this is the thing. People get shot every day, B. Oh, like, my gosh. I'm serious. Like, the reason people, like, people are not getting shot because of the parade. It's that juvet. It's that purge. It's because people are coming out and you haven't seen this person and you've been looking for them and you know they're going to be there and you saw them. You know what I mean? It's not juve. I I like everybody's looking to shoot people. It's the same people that would have been out looking to shoot each other. Like, and they just happen to be at the same large event. It's also juve. I've been to juve maybe five times. And when I've gone to somebody's event at juve, it was very different. Than just aimlessly wandering around Flatbush looking for something to do. If I'm aimlessly wandering around as a youngin, things always happen around me because I I was aimlessly wandering around. As opposed to if I'm going to a destination at a time of my life. And I think that the issue is that you get people that don't even take me that didn't understand the culture wandering around with a bunch of my boys. We was probably, I don't, know, I don't know how deep, and we link with they boys, and they boys see somebody that they got a problem with, and guess what? Mob mentality. Dot, 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 dot. I guess. Or we just out there at somebody front, dot, 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 dot. And this was, you know, this is 20 years ago, right? But what I'm saying is that, I juxtaposed that with the last time I went to Juve, maybe three years ago, we drove through, went to somebody's house for a barbecue. Shout out to the Grenadians and time of my life. And then we drove home and it was a little bit of traffic, but it was great because we drove through a part of Juve, but it was just like maybe five minutes of traffic. And and then we just got home and Shout out to my boy CJ. His uncles used to have like a Labor Day pre-Juve bashment in a backyard, like a whole concert. And they would then go and essentially start Juve for the Grenadians. So I I understand that piece of it. Like culturally, I looked forward to doing Juve with his family because they took it seriously and you really appreciated the culture. But I feel like there's still that element of danger in there too that we can't mitigate. I don't know. There has to be a happy medium where, you know, I know I think Miami, don't they do like you have to have admission to the park 
or something to view. I've never been to Miami Carnival, or at least yeah, you gotta have admission to the park. It's like an, yeah. they do it in like an arena, like an arena. Yeah, like maybe something like that. Um, because it's, I would hate for it to be lost. And I mean, I automatically just blame the white people for the lack of everything this week, because I was just like, what else could it be? Like, <laughs> I'm I, driving down Easter Park. I made sure after I listened to CLB, I made sure the rest of my weekend. Was Amazing like, album as ready. usual. Um, and you know, like a couple of, I know a couple of, um, uh, you know, like a lot of people during the parkway will have stuff on the in the on their houses on the stoop, have people over. So I did see a couple of you know families or people celebrating along Eastern Parkway still, and I was like, you know, fists in the air, you know, keep it going, you know. Um, and I I intend to have you know once my renovations are done, uh, a, <laughs> a little uh, Labor Day uh, fet. Maybe I'll have one too. And, yeah, you should. And we'll play Drake's album. No. <laughs> Has Shepsu, what say you? Was this the best Labor Day ever for you as well? Nah. Um, well, I mean, I don't live in New York anymore, but. Now this. But I was in town during Labor Day weekend, and, I, and it, was, it did kind of feel like there was a bit of a hole in the atmosphere because there was no like um violence doing their own things or whatever but you know um not nothing that I can nothing close to what I remember feeling you know going to Labor Day going to Labor Day since like I was a teenager too so it was a little um it was a little vacant I think people tried um, but there's a there was a, it was a little vacant and those of us who have experienced it in its fullness you know, um, you know, we felt that. And so, you know, it was sad for those reasons. I hope that it does come back um, next year. Um, and what, I mean, why Wadaka didn't go forward with it could be a bandwidth issue. It could be a bunch of different things. I'm sure, you know, maybe like to your point, Erica, maybe they just wanted to like save lives or whatever. So I can respect that if that's what they chose to do. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a bit of a of a void there, and um, and yeah, <laughs> that's that's all I've got. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it sounds like we agree that this was the best Labor Day ever. And I will also say that people like you are whoa, 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 whoa. the culture. <laughs> Whoa. I will also, I will also say, PNL, you are dangerous to the culture. You know why? Because we expect this foolishness from people who, like, it's tone deaf. You cannot be this ingrained in Caribbean culture in all the ways you can be ingrained in Caribbean culture. And, and still say that, like, you know, you know, like, it's, I feel like what rich white people do is they, they, everything is a violence thing. They can't get good things because violence. You know, and it's like, it's like, like they, the same, the same excuse is used to not build green space in black neighborhoods because people are afraid of gangs that haven't shot it out since the nineties, but they're afraid of gangs. You know what I mean? Well, in Cali, most parks are, well, LA County, most parks are controlled by gangs. 
Right, and that's cool. But are the are the are the parks uh, surveilled by the police? Do they have proper lighting? Is it clean? Like, there's a bunch of things that go into parks that make it the, a, a breeding ground for unsavory behavior. Right. So you're gonna so, blame the cops for the the gangs taking over the parks? No, I'm I'm blaming the uh, a few different systems. But right now we're talking about people like you that kind of are oh, not tapped in to um, or refuse to see the culture. I think it's really ridiculous to to like not be a part of it and then celebrate it not being here either. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, I think it's kind of trash. If there was, um, I don't know, whatever holiday you feel you'd like to really see reflected in, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you know, I feel like we, like people, you know, people would make room for that because there are people who want to celebrate what you want to celebrate. Like Jazzy said, there's some folk who don't ever go back to their, countries you know what i mean like some this this caribbean parade is some is some people's like only connection mm-hmm. piece and to not have it is a little disorienting because then you are really in a strange place that doesn't recognize what makes you you know doesn't recognize what makes you unique in this way and then that carnival has been there for a very 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 long time so we're not talking about something that is even 10 years old you know we're talking a long, 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 long time. So I would like to see it reinstituted. Um, you know, however, whatever safe measures they feel comfortable doing, shit, even if it was a vax only, which I don't think, um, I don't know how that would go over with the Caribbean community, to be honest. But like, if they were to do that, that's better than nothing. You know what I mean? Like, just so that people know that it's, it hasn't died. Because the rest of Brooklyn is growing. I mean, is is going. It's already gone. So it's kind of like once you get rid of a big staple like the West Indian Day Parade, I feel like that's like the bow on it. I hear you, and and you know, I'm not the problem here. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> but I What's do the problem in this particular. <laughs> in this no, particular... no, no. Listen, listen. I'm all for you know you people having your parade and. You know, if you guys want to shoot it out and dance and dance fight, wow. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Just make sure I can get like a good plate. You saying that if y'all want to shoot it? I'm sure it's some American children that's doing this. You know, girl, it's always <laughs> it's always these things. You no, just no, it's the son of listen. It, it be it be all these West Indian two generation away gang member toughs shooting shit up. That be the one shooting shit up. So you say, so you say. But my new music selection for this week is not all the way new, but it might be new to some of y'all. It's by a Jamaican artist named Alkaline. It's called Block and Delete. So when you're getting slandered about your lack of support for a violent event, <laughs> Play this song and tell your detractors that they're blocked and deleted out of your life. And after you're done with that bullshit, you can play <laughs> Down Day by GBM Neutron and DJ He sounds Spider. like a thug. DJ Spider is a very, very talented DJ who I've known for many, many years. And he produced this song. And like it's it's the first song that I have heard a um so I text him when the, when the song dropped. Quick story. I dropped him. I text him when the song dropped because um, it's the first time that I felt compa music 
was actually ingrained into soca. Mm. I've always been a big soca fan since I was 14, but I've always known that it was two different things and that the people listening to Compa were not necessarily listening to soca and vice versa. Like we get, we get the Zouk song at the parties, the same Martinique song that's not even Haitian. <laughs> it's from Martinique or Guadeloupe. We get the same Casa song since I've been like old enough to go to a party, you know? Um, and so this song, it re- he really did a good job of like blending compa, a compa rhythm uh, uh, into this soca scene. And so I, I really appreciated the song. Of course, it's called Down De, spelled D-E-Y, and it's GB and Lutron and DJ Spider. All right, that sounds good. Nice. Um, in honor of our previous topic um, about uh obligations to your partner uh this is a song but i've never heard of this artist but the song came up uh while listening to something else it's called his name is Vito v-e-d-o um, that's my guy yeah and the song is called do it nasty yep a good song okay there you go so yeah check those songs play that, out play that for your boo and see what she do see if she pussy pop on a handstand for you that night well, another great episode. My parting words for this week. Um, my daughter starting pre-K and, you know, I, in the words of Mary J. Blige, I told myself I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but my parting words are for those of you with, you know, young members of your family, kids, nieces, nephews, whomever, spend as much time with them as you can nurture and develop them because they grow quick as hell and kid energy is probably the purest energy that you'll get in the world it's un uh they still have like a very good perspective and they're unjaded so soak that up soak that up and it'll keep you refreshed um i personally am using a um there's a few, there's a new mantra. I will just say that um, different does not equal dissension all the time. And um, and separate does not necessarily mean lack of community. Oh. So that's just something I'm keeping close to my heart these days. And so um, I think it would be useful if you find it useful to adopt it too. I like, I like. Um... Guys, I've started back journaling at uh, the request. This nigga got a journal. And I like it. I think sometimes, you know when you have weird thoughts that you never want to confront? Nope. No? Shut up. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Of course we do. Of course we do. <laughs> uh, but it's like forced me to like actually like look at the look at these things and thoughts and emotions that I kind of like run away from sometimes and it's good it's therapeutic so I would encourage people to start journaling again not like you know a diary like oh so-and-so said this today but like really like um you know feelings that you have at particular moments just writing a little sentence down it was very interesting to or an Instagram post. That's what I do. <laughs> oh, no, no. Instagram. 
And I be <laughs> I be looking at all these people liking these Justin LeBoy um posts. I'd be like, oh, that's how you feel? <laughs> like Listen, Lou Duval should be protected at all costs because he he uh he posts ignorant. for me. Ignorant. He'd be right though. Um but yeah, episode sixty six. It's your your favorite podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Follow us on your favorite platform. Over and out. No matter where we face, we must face a moment of truth, baby.